Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today I want to talk about procrastination. It's been on top of my mind these days and I thought it was worth going deeper and diving into it and share some of my own experiences and also share some research with you, some insights and some tools. So stick around. I am going to, this is not a scripted episode. I haven't, I don't have it written down. I have a whole bunch of sticky notes all over in front of me and I'm going to be pretty fluid about it. So be patient with me. If, if you feel like you need to fast forward, do so. There's a whole bunch of nuggets I'm going to throw at you. You may want to listen to this episode a couple of times, but it's worth diving into it. And as I go through it, I want you to really keep in mind procrastination and ADHD it's one of those heavy topics that comes up often. I mean, there's books, there's seminars, there's talks on procrastination, regardless of ADHD or not. So this is something that a lot of us struggle with, but with ADHD, it's more amplified. And so this is one piece of the big picture. And this is my one version of my interpretation of my sharing with you some of the insights that I've seen over the last couple of years in my research and working with clients with working with myself that I'm sharing with you. So could I be talking about this for three hours straight? Absolutely. But I'm not going to bore you to death with three hours on procrastination. That'll get pretty depressing pretty soon. So without further ado, we're going to jump into it. But before I jump into it, I want to give a shout out to my new listeners that have joined in recently. I've seen a spike in my listeners and I just want to thank all of you. Those of you that have been around with me since the very beginning of the launch of this podcast and have been supporting me through the inconsistencies of it, but I'm here, I'm, I'm here and I'm pushing through every week. I'm coming back with another episode for you with, with experts on ADHD because Lord knows I don't know all of it, of course not, and and there's so many people out there that know so much more than I do, so I it's my pleasure to bring those experts into the show. I want to give a geographical shout out to my United States listeners, my Canadian listeners, United Kingdom, Australia. Can you believe it? The list goes on. I have Finland, Germany, Netherlands, India. The, the list just goes on. South Africa, Ireland, Switzerland. Anyways, this is like has become, I, I had no idea it would get this big and come to be this like global thing that I have listeners from all over the world lending their few minutes with me and, and spending that time with me and learning about their brain. It is my pleasure to share this with you. So I thank you truly from the bottom of my heart. And it makes me accountable to you to make sure that I show up now every week and do this and, and share something insightful with you. So let's get back into it. Let's talk about procrastination. There was a study done in 2006 that they looked at procrastination and the different flavors of it in adults with ADHD. They came up with three different flavors. And this, this to me was like so spot on and it made so much sense. There are those that are called arousal types or thrill seekers have Behavior delays to seek thrill experiences under time pressure. They want to experience that adrenaline or rush from beating the clock. I think for me, that one really relates to me. I, I'm, I'm one of those ones that 
I need to wait till that last minute in order to get anything done. So my procrastination is, is very much backed by that rush and the adrenaline. And then there's the other type that are called avoidance types. They have behaviors in delayed motivation. And part of that is to protect themselves from society, from that self-image. They're putting up a show and, and masking their vulnerability and they're protecting their self-esteem. So what if I do this thing and, and you know, it, it's not going to pan out. So there's this bit of procrastination of avoidance that comes in. They put off tasks for a variety of reasons, sometimes in order not to reveal perceived character flaws, such as lack of ability, fear of failure, or even fear of success. The third type is the decisional procrastinators who are unable to make decisions. Though they are very concerned with what others think of them, this is a cognitive form of procrastination, right? It's and I can truly see that with ADHDers, we often, and in my last episode, I talked about decision-making and how we have a hard time with it. And so that makes sense. So that the arousal types, the avoidance types, and decisional procrastinators. So I just wanted to throw a bit of research on how this particular study in a small group kind of categorized the different buckets, the three different buckets. Now, Let's move to the way I, I, I love these themes that I, I came across through my coach training program with the ADD Coach Academy. And some of these themes, and I'm about to read them to you, I see these in myself, I see it in my clients, and I, you know, and even non, non-clients, I see it with people with ADHD. And what I want to say about this, when it comes to the, the themes I can tell you truly that every one of us with this neurodiverse brain deals with procrastination a little differently. I have not seen one person have the same procrastination issue as the other one. Every one of us has a different flavor of it, which makes sense because this table that I'm looking at, there is about 10 different ways or 10 different personas that our Coach Academy came up with. So I'm going to read some of them off to you. So be patient with me. It's it's interesting because I want you to see which one of them you relate to. So there's that person that says, I must have the perfect plan so I won't fail. There's another person that says, they put off beginning a project while waiting for the deadline to draw near enough to bring the adrenaline that they need, which we just talked about. Another one is that she'll say to herself, oh, there's plenty of time, no need to start yet. That was me in school. I always did that. I always like, oh, there's, you know, I have to hand it in in three months from now. Don't worry. There's another one that says they become so excited about an idea or concept and they tell everyone how great it is. However, they end up spending all the time just dreaming about it. And defining the idea rather than getting into decision-making and making a plan. Another one is they feel so overwhelmed by what they have to do. So they actually go into visualizing failure. And they're like, no, it's just completely going to fail. So there's no point in beginning anything. So they're, they're in that, you know, that pessimistic mindset. Another one says... When I figured out all the pieces of the puzzle and all the people, then I will do what I need to do 
to get the job done. This is one of the common themes I see around entrepreneurs that I work with that, oh, I want to start a podcast, but it needs to be the right microphone, the right studio. I need this. No, 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 Kathy, I can't start. So, so there's this puzzle that they make that essentially is procrastination because, you know, everything has to fit into place. Another one is I see the entire picture of what the end product should look like and I can conceptualize it. However, it all, it, it's just too much for them to break it down. So they really, they see big picture, they're the visionary, they're the dreamer, but they cannot for the life of them say, okay, how does it all fit? Where do I even begin? There's another one that the last one I like to read to you is, is this project has so much potential. If only we could get the right amount of money or the right people. So there's this, again, this, this talk of finding faults and, oh, well, you know, it's the economy, it's the whatever, no, can't get it done right now that, that goes on. So if you heard any of those, do you relate to any of them? I know for sure I related to a couple of them, right, at some point in my life and in different tasks. And it's kind of interesting, too, when we look at procrastination, there's different certain projects. I, I put on a different procrastinator hat, if you will, on certain things. And in other things, I'm like, oh, I'll just get it done. So now here's another piece that I want to throw at you. Because I was also fascinated by this TED talk that I came across about a year and a half ago. And this one is by a gentleman named Adam Grant. He gave a TED talk called Surprising Habits of the Original Thinkers. In this talk, there's a portion of it that he talks about innovation and procrastination, which I found so fascinating because sometimes... I don't see my procrastination as a way of avoiding. I sometimes look at it as a way of I'm stewing over something here and I want to see what it is before I want to take action. So when I saw this um, TED talk, it really validated what I intuitively was thinking about my procrastination. So he talks about this range of there is the precrastinators that are like, I got to get this done. I, I just need to get it done. It, it's going to get done. And there's anxiety and all of that. And they get it done. And on the other end of it, the opposite end of it is the procrastinators where they're just completely procrastinating that task and really nothing gets ever done. But then in the middle of that spectrum is this sweet spot of these original thinkers that when they're in that middle ground of they want to do it, but they're still kind of thinking through the task and I kind of the idea and all of that. And they're incubating and they're, you know, pushing the different ways that it could come about. That's the sweet spot of procrastination. So this is the spot where magic can happen, where you have an idea and you sit on it for a week or two. And you don't do anything with it. So here's the part as a coach, I would say, I like you to give yourself permission to be okay with that procrastination. Because according to him and his research that he's done, and I'll put it in my uh, show notes, he says that's a sweet spot of where amazing ideas come to life. And you can really see it and you can feel it and, and 
and th there's no fear. It's just that's, that's the innovative, original thinker spot. So give yourself permission on times where you're in that procrastination mode, quote unquote, that are you incubating on the idea? And you kind of earn this procrastinating time because it's still kind of, you know, you're, 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 you're marinating it, if you will. It's like a good steak that's being marinated. Or are you truly procrastinating because you already have the idea, you know what needs to be done, you just don't freaking want to do it, right? Which is the other end of that spectrum where there will be zero action. So that's one thing I wanted to really come up with on this one is around that sweet spot of procrastination, I invite you to truly give yourself that permission to do that. Now, I've thrown enough stats at you, enough, you know, validation that this stuff is real, man. Get it. I understand it. Procrastination, all of that. Now, what do we do? So every person knowing that, I mean, I read off all those different scenarios that each person has each of those people with those kind of mindset, there's different ways that they will address their procrastination. So there's a list that I'm going to give you. If any of them resonate for you, then I invite you to try it. And if none of them resonate, then I would ask you to reflect on why is it that you're procrastinating? And not to just think about this, I, I really invite you to go and have a conversation with someone and say, look, listen, I want you to listen to me as I have a bit of a verbal diarrhea processing moment. I need to speak it out because one of the things with ADHD is we got to get out of our head and to words. We got to take things out of our mouth and say it. Heck, if you even need to record it to yourself and then we listen to it because sometimes when we're saying it, we're in that middle of that, you know, just bombardment of words and thoughts that are coming out of our mouth. We're not actually really listening to ourselves. So there's a benefit of re-listening to that audio and saying, oh, did I really say that? Is that really truly why I'm procrastinating? So if this list that I'm about to read you doesn't work, then do that. So here we go. One step is to really break it down. Break down the steps to the micro steps. So, for example, recently I just finished my final project for my advanced coach training program that I just finished. Yay me. <laughs> Over 160 hours of training through COVID. I did it. I am proud of it. But that final project, did I even leave it till the last minute? So here I am telling you, I procrastinate. But I left it to the last minute. But what I did was in that last week that I had, I really broke it down to micro steps of what do I want to do. And, and every day I did one thing towards the bigger picture. So that micro stepping helps. Another way to do it is to look for the very first obvious step. What is that very first thing in that project that you're doing that you could do? What that does, it kind of reduces the fear. It kind of says, okay, we're going to be okay. Just let, let's just do that one very first thing that needs to be done. And that could mean as small as I'm going to take a pen and paper, I'm going to write it down. 
or it could mean if you're at work and you're professional and you need to do a PowerPoint presentation, you're going to pick a PowerPoint template. Believe me, I've done that where there was days that I just sat there and picked through PowerPoint templates before I even put my thoughts in it. So there's that. So, so it's just that one step that your brain says, that's it. We did something towards that. Another one that I love this one and I use it often. I do it often, especially on times where I have to do mundane tasks like doing paperwork, like reorganizing the house or something that I really don't want to do is I enlist the support of my family and friends. Well, especially now it's my close family. I get somebody to come over and they sit with me. They sit with me in the house. They're, they could be doing something. They could be partaking in it. But it, having that energy of somebody else with you does something to our brain. And there is a term for it within the ADHD community called body doubling. So I think part of it for me is, is that accountability that I'm asking for somebody else's time to be spent with me. So I damn well better be using their time wisely too. It's that energy of... There's somebody in this with me. I'm not doing this on my own. I think that 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 also helps. So enlist a success team. In my case, I reach out to my clients. I, you know, they reach out to me. We we process what's going on. What are they? What are which which part of the task are they stuck in? Just processing that back and forth really helps. Another one could be that you backward plan to the deadline. So I used to do this in my corporate days. I used to really say, okay, here's the deadline of where we are. And I would work back the schedule. And I literally, it's called a work back schedule. What are we going to do to get to this, you know, the, the, the end result? But really we would start at the end in mind. And of course, one thing that I love is, is, is this whole notion of visualize that end as a complete success so that your brain says, whoa, like as if it's already done. And, and I, this is a bit hokey. It's a bit woo woo, but believe me, your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and hasn't happened yet. So the more you visualize it, and I say this often to my clients, and this is part of a NLP training, neuro-linguistic programming. One of the things they do is they say, tap into all your five senses and really visualize that, that end result with what does it taste like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? And the more vivid you get on your outcome and imagine it as if like it just happened right now that you're in it. So one of the things we do is we do some future pacing. So I make a wave a magic wand and I say, imagine you're there tomorrow. What does it look like? And then you do a work back towards that. So that's another trick. It's very effective, especially when you do it with someone along with you. It's, it, it, it really makes it come to life. The other thing, and this goes back to my tech days, is minimum viable product. What do I mean by this? Is what, what does it look like? What's the bare minimum of what you're procrastinating on? could look like because don't forget there's a piece of us that we are absolute perfectionists and I have come to accept that I, I didn't consider myself one 
till I realized that, ooh, my very first step has to be the perfect step before I even start, then, and actually that's perfectionism. So, okay, I'm a recovering perfectionist, if you will. I catch myself at times with it, but there it is. But, but what it is with minimum viable product or an MVP is what would it take to just get it done to like maybe like 50% functional or 50% you put it out there and see what happens. Like, is it going to really truly fall apart and you know, you fall flat on your face or that it's going to be good enough that nobody will really know what I initially intended, but enough that I can show it and say project done. Right. And then chances are sometimes that MVP becomes the final product and you just move on to the next thing because don't forget we also have this shiny new thing going on that once we complete something we're off to the next thing so wouldn't it be nice if we talk about conserving our energy right that with mvp you're you're giving it you're you're giving your energy your effort but it doesn't always have to be 200 percent perfect and I think giving yourself permission to say, yes, I'm going to have five MVPs in my life and two completed kick-ass projects, fully 200% complete or whatever. There's just this permission. This is where self-compassion comes in. This is okay. This is not so bad. As opposed to trying to approach everything that it has to be perfect. If you're putting off doing your organization in your office, your paperwork and your clutter, and it has to have systems and filing systems. And my God, the other day I was looking at this clip on Netflix where they're doing organization of a house and just watching it. I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, nobody needs that amount of systems in their house. Like, come on. It doesn't need to be that perfect where everything is just labeled to a T. Just freaking categorize it by, I don't know, type and be done with it. Move on. There's better things to do in life than to procrastinate because you needed to make sure the system was the perfect system. Sorry, end of rant. That was a, (laughs) that kind of hit the spot for me where I'm like, why do we have to always look for the most absolute perfect system? Because chances are we're going to forget about that system the next week. We're going to go back to our old routine and old habit. Or the system is too perfect that when you go back to look at it, you're like, oh my God, I don't even know how I did this. Like, what, where, where is what? I can't figure it out. How many of you have done that? You've decluttered your desktop and now you can't find anything because it's just so perfect, right? So I digress. Back to another one that I think, th- this one is my favorite you're procrastinating because there's a piece of you that says, I need to make sure I do all of it and I need to do all of it myself. And every time I have asked the client, do you really need to do everything myself? The first time is, yes, Kathy, I'm the only one that knows how to do this. Second time, yes, I have to do it myself. Third time, they give in. Uh, Okay, well, that piece could be done by so-and-so and then this other piece could be done by so-and-so. So there's a benefit in breaking it down so that you can see who you can enlist the help of to come and get this project off the ground for you. In the case of a true entrepreneur, the entrepreneur is thinking big picture, thinking visionary, thinking all the other, uh, how do I multiply this business? 
they're not in the weeds. They're not into the, I, today I need to do this, da, 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 right? They're delegating like it's nobody's business. They're enlisting the resources of very competent people that'll do those tasks that, believe me, I know you can do all of it yourself. There's no doubt in that because when we put our mind to something, we can do it ourselves. But again, it goes back to what's your energy worth? What do you really, you know, what's really important? What is it costing you to, to continue to do all of this yourself? Which is like procrastination, stress, freaking out, and just beating yourself up all the time about it. Or saying, okay, it's a temporary project. I can enlist two people to help me with this. And then once it's done, I move forward. There's just something, oh, so much relief in that idea, even as, as, as I say it. And, you know, once, once I discover this with my clients and they see it and they're looking at it and they're like, oh God, yeah, okay, right. I don't have to do that part. So there's that. There's another one that talks about creating sprints. So when we say sprints, it's it's doing things in chunks. Sprint one, two, three, they usually are like maybe a week at a time, there could be a few days. And, and for those project managers listening to me, if I'm saying this wrong, I am sorry. I apologize. I high level get the concept of sprints, but I always like academically, I may explain it incorrectly. But when we were tackling launches, big software launches in previous organizations, we would do sprints because sprints also not only allow you to do MVP, minimum viable, and then to check and make sure, is it is it good? Is it happening? Is it on point? Is it right direction? Do we need to pivot? So there's a bit of evaluation that happens in each sprint too, because things come up. Maybe halfway through, it may not be the right thing to do, and you want to pivot. So, and you want to test. But here's the thing with sprints. Because you got to go fast, and you got to, you know, you have sh- short amounts of time, there's also the requirement to give yourself some recovery time in between sprints. So here's the thing. Let's let's talk about doing your paperwork for taxes, for example. This one comes up all the time with my clients about paperwork, taxes, unsent invoices, like talk about money being left on the table because they forget to invoice their clients. Like that one just blows my mind and it breaks my heart because like, oh my God, you haven't sent the invoice because you don't feel like doing paperwork? What? And it's a true story. I've had a couple of people with that scenario. So when you're doing those difficult tasks that have taken so much of your brain juice, if you will, and, and you have put up all your resources and you've got the task done, you got to give yourself some recovery time till you do the next hard task. And that recovery time, I call it or they call it active recovery, where it's not about binge watching Netflix or, you know, going out for drinks and celebrating, like that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. Doing some really mindful things to reset your entire system could be a walk outside for a few hours. Just There's something about ADHD and nature. There's something in us that, that I, and everyone that I talk to, nature and ADHD kind of go hand in hand. It's just like our natural medicine. The minute we're in outdoors, the minute we're with nature, it's just something resets in our brain. 
And there's a whole bunch of research on that also on, on nature therapy and all of that. So there's that piece of the way you can recover. And a recovery could be just going for a massage. Get all that tension out of your body because it's going to be in your shoulders. It's going to be in your jaw. It's going to be all over your body. And just having that energy move around in your body as opposed to being fixated in one location, usually like the jaw or your shoulders, it's good to move that energy around so that you can come back refreshed. And what a nice way to reward yourself. You did something really hard and difficult that, yeah, it was hard and difficult and we're not being babies about it. It's just there are certain things that we don't like to do and that's okay. But then once you do it, give yourself some slack. If you want to take two days off work, if you want to take a day of just doing nothing. I remember when I was going so fast, there were times where I would plan one week, one day a week every other two weeks where I would call it project day and I would block off my whole calendar and it was my day. And, you know, I had planned to get things done, but I wouldn't get anything done. I would just, you know, socialize, go for coffees. But I needed that time because I needed to recharge from the hard week I had of all the hard things I had to get done for the week. So there's that reset that also needs to happen. The last thing that I'll tell you about this is the self-talk. And I cannot emphasize this enough about procrastination and self-talk. The minute we go into something and say, this is going to be hard. This is, and I know I said that as a so caveat here. I'm saying it to you now because I want to acknowledge and validate your feelings. They're, they're, They're totally legit. But when it comes to, when you're about to do that task... When you're saying to yourself, it's going to be hard, I hate it, I don't want to do it, it's going to take X amount of time, why do I have to feel like this, oh, here I go procrastinating again, that beat up that we do to ourselves. You take that energy into the task, you're amplifying the procrastination even more. Whether you like it or not, you're amplifying it. And with that kind of an energy, when you're going into a task that you have dreaded already, my friends, you're going to stay in it within 10 minutes and you're like, fuck it, I don't want to do it anymore. Excuse my language. But that'll happen because you're already, your intention behind that task was icky. It was negative. It was so toxic, if you will. So watch out for those self-talks that you're about to give yourself when you're about to do that task that you've procrastinated on. And I usually flip the negative self-talk to, I wonder how much I'm going to get done today. I wonder how long this task is going to take. Because remember, we also have time blindness. We may not know how long a task will take till we actually start doing it. And, and once we're in momentum, we see, oh, this only took 20 minutes. I thought it would take three hours or vice versa. So going in with, with that place of curiosity towards the task lessens that negative self-talk, right? So catch yourself before you're beginning this task. If you're dreading it, if you're saying all these words to yourself, it's dial it back down. Just be nice to yourself about it. Remember that self-talk will affect the way you're going to start that task and go in with the 
mindset of curiosity. How much am I going to get done? I wonder who I can call to, to help me with this. And just go with that and see how it shows up for you. One thing again, and I mentioned this, I think I mentioned in my last episode, but I'll mention it in this one. Once you've completed that task, I beg of you to write down what happened. And in a way of, how did I get this done? A quick recap. What did I learn about myself during this? And what can I do better or differently next time? I want you to write it down because you will forget this experience. And if you did have a kick-ass episode where you got something done that you were procrastinating for a while, please write it down because the next time you're stuck again, you can go back to this journal that you wrote of, oh, this is how I got the task done. That little reminder will free up your brain from the stress Because without it, it'll be ambiguous. You won't know how you even did it. Because in that time when you did that task, there were 20 other things going on and blah, blah, blah. So really your brain didn't hold on to that. So I want you to do that. I want you to hold on to the victory of completing a task that you procrastinated. For me, my victory, and I'm logging it here in this episode, was that I truly did break down my task this time on my final project. Every day I spend an hour on one piece of it. And then on Saturday, the whole thing kind of came together. And I was like, oh shit, it's done. And I know it sounds really simple, but it was a massive project for me. I had to take all of these learnings of the last six months, put it into one summary, all that stuff, which takes so much out of my brain. But the fact that I just said, I'm going to do an hour, 20 minutes, 15 minutes here and there towards it, that that's all I did. And I was, imagine that climber that is just one grip at a time versus, you know, thinking about all the way to the end and how they do it. Possibly, I mean, I I don't climb, but I can just imagine that it's that one grip at a time. Or that runner that's running that marathon is one one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other till they finish that marathon. But they have a vision. They've held on to the vision. So my friends, I've been talking for 30 minutes. I hope you found this episode useful, inspiring. I hope you got one thing out of it. If nothing, but just one thing. I'd be like, yay, you got one thing out of it because I threw a whole bunch at you. And until next time, please do leave me a voicemail. There's links in in my show notes on any other topics you want me to dive into. Hey, if you want to leave a review, I would be greatly appreciative. And actually, it'll boost my motivation to continue to show up every week and share my learnings, my experiences with you. So until next time, keep on shining. Thank you.